you guys want to see me throw this football over the mountains? In, in my book, in my estimation, he's not human. See what I did there? I am grateful that Minnesota does not have sports betting yet. The mystique of Lambeau Field. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good whatever time of day you're listening. Thank you so much for listening. Have, I hope you're having a beautiful day. Uh, my name's Joseph Barr. I'll be the host of the We Have News. Let's start off this podcast with some big news. All right, we got two pieces of big news. One good, one, you know, it's not necessarily good, not necessarily bad. It just is. But the big good news is we have settled on a name. That's it. We have settled on a name from this day forth. Again, my name's Joseph Barr. I love doing things that kind of play with the name. So from this day forward, this podcast will be known as drum roll, drum roll, drum roll. This podcast will be known as the setting the bar podcast. See what I did there? So welcome back to the second show of setting the bar. Again, my name's Joseph Barr. The other other piece of news is we had some, obviously it's usually a two-man setup with myself and Mitchell, but uh, we had some technical difficulties last night. We actually uh, ran through our entire show yet last night. Forgot to press record. We forgot to press record. And, you know, it is what it is. It's a learning experience for everybody. And now for the next, oh, about 45 minutes or so, I'm going to be monologuing. Uh, I've got some I have some fun things to talk about. And I'm just going to make sure that um, we keep kind of the same vibe going that we had on the first show. Really enjoyed it. Really had a good time. Hope you guys, the listeners, had a great time uh, as well. Um, today's show is going to be mostly NFL-focused with the playoffs starting this weekend. We're actually going to run through the entire NFL bracket. Um the entire NFL playoff bracket. Mitchell and I picked last night, took notes on what he, uh, how he picked his bracket. So we'll be able to uh, keep, keep it, keep it consistent all the way through. This is also a show where we're going to hold people accountable for what they say. Last time that we uh, had a show, um, we picked over unders on head coach openings. I'm not going to say one person did better than the other. Me. But, uh, you know, one person got it right, one person got it wrong. We'll go over that. And, uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll see what else comes up, and we're just going to jump right into it. So if you listened to our first show, you'll, know, you'll remember that uh, Mitchell and I set uh, over-unders for head coach openings, and um, as it turns out, Patience was our friend. Because after Monday, there were six head coach openings in the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Vegas Raiders, the Minnesota Vikings, Chicago Bears, and the surprise team that there is always at least one surprise, 
the surprise team to fire their coach, the Miami Dolphins. Brian Flores out, and that was that was definitely the surprise. I think it was on Wednesday we got news that uh, Joe Judge was out of the Giants' job. Not quite sure what took so long with that one. Not going to try and pretend that we are that I have inside connections, other than. Maybe the owner was just convinced that he was going in the right direction. And after seeing Joe Judge go for it on uh, back-to-back um, back-to-back quarterback draws on your own nine-yard line, he's like, eh, probably not the right direction that we're heading. And then it was uh, just yesterday, about 3 o'clock, that David Culley, uh, Houston Texans head coach, got fired and just... I'm not quite sure what the owner of the Houston Texans was expecting. Um, You know, no Deshaun Watson, no real quarterback. Your running backs are a couple of 30-year-old washed-up guys. I mean, I just, you know, what was the expectation? Uh, I think Houston ended up winning two or three games, which felt like a success. Absolutely felt like a success just because of how bare bones and how bad that roster was. So, um, if we had recorded this on Monday, you know, we would have just been forced through the nature of the beast to call Mitch the the winner of that over-under. The over-under, by the way, we set at seven and a half. So, at Monday, when the number was at six, Mitch would have been our reluctant winner. But uh, as it turns out, waiting until Thursday turned out to be our friend. I was able to walk away victorious and uh, have a little bit of bragging rights. So that's where we're at with the head coach openings. Again, just want to make sure that we're holding people accountable for what they say on the show. Uh, the other piece that I want to start with is I want to I want to start with some gratitude. And I am grateful that Minnesota does not have sports betting yet. Just being a general sports fan, there is a few times a year where you can kind of look at a betting line and see and realize that's easy money. I I am going to put money on this line. I am going to move money from my bookie, my bank account, from my uh, sports books bank account into my bank account. It is going to then be my money, and that is how I'm going to live my life. The last time that I saw a line like that was the uh, Minnesota Vikings at Green Bay Packers. The line was like minus 13, 13 and a half, something like that. And uh, that was the game that Kirk Cousins wasn't playing. So for me, pretty pretty easy being a Vikings fan, Vikings fan in prime time at Green Bay, not exactly the best scenario for the Vikings to come away with a win, let alone to even make it competitive. And sure enough, they don't. Um, the Vikings end up losing that game by 25 or 30, something like that. Just a ridiculous number. So again, one of those times where I would have just remortgaged the house, emptied the bank account, and been like, I'm going to put every dime that I can get my hands on on this line. I'm going to get an easy payday. I'm going to put that money back in my bank account, and I'm going to go on with my life. The other, So there was another another line like that this weekend. And this is why I'm grateful that Minnesota doesn't have sports betting. Uh, If you had looked at the Colts-Jaguars game this past Sunday and looked at the line, it was minus 15 in favor of the Colts. And you would have said, 
that's easy money. There's no way the Colts win. With everything the Colts have online, there's no way that the Colts don't win that game. Not alone, not only win, no way they don't cover. It's and it's just an easy again, you would look at it before Sunday and think that's an easy payday. And what happens? The Colts get decimated by the Jags. What is going on? Just proving that nobody knows anything about the NFL. And again, just an opportunity for me to save some money and probably not remortgage my house and then in turn have two mortgages on my house and be sad all the time. Okay, got that out of the way. Again, I won the over-unders. Grateful Minnesota doesn't have sports betting. From this point forward, uh, we have playoff picks to get a hold of. Again, NFL playoff weekend starts this Sunday. NFL playoff brackets here in front of me, filled out from both myself and Mitchell. Playoff games start this Saturday at 4, four o'clock Eastern time, 3 o'clock where I am in Minnesota, with the Cincinnati Bengals and the Las Vegas Raiders. Mitch and I both have Cincinnati picking this game, and that's kind of the general, the most common pick of the from what I've seen. Let me get some, let me get some uh, betting lines here pulled up in front of me. This Bengals team is going to be favored, if I remember right. Uh, I looked at this last night. I think they were favored by favored by ten. Um, this is a Cincinnati team that's really rolling. I, I've Joe Burrow in those last like four games thrown 20 tu- 20 touchdowns, no interceptions. He's at like 900 or 1000 yards. This is a Cincinnati team that is just absolutely cooking. Um so there's a lot to like there. Vegas, you know, sneaks in on that uh on that weird Sunday night game. There's not necessarily not a lot to like with Vegas. There's just a lot of uncertainty. Um, that John Gruden situation. Rick Bisaccia has no no uh, no question about it. Has the team rolling. They are really uh, they're in a good place and everything. I just think they're going to run into the buzzsaw that is the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins probably go off over a hundred yards for each of those, and I don't even feel like that's that much of a stretch. Um, stretch of a prediction. So Mitch and I both have Cincinnati over the Las Vegas Raiders. Moving on to the, um, we're going to stay with the AFC side of this. And we're going to have, after that, we got the Buffalo-New England game. Uh, Buffalo comes into this game favored by 10. So same line as that Cincinnati and Las Vegas game. Interestingly enough, uh, this is the first pick that Mitch and I are going to differ on. He's got Buffalo not not really upsetting, but winning. Um, he thinks that uh, Josh Allen is going to be the difference maker. He's going to continually be able to make plays downfield, be able to uh, make sure that the Buffalo team is set up for success. Uh, I'm looking, I got New England on the upset, uh, probably the most common upset of the, of the wild card weekend. And my my logic and my thinking comes down to this. This is the third time that these two teams have played each other. 
uh, they split the regular season 1-1. The first time they played each other was that Buffalo snow game where it was like 60-mile-an-hour winds. Kickers were uh, kickers and punters were, were hitting the ball into the air. The ball was flying behind their head, landing behind them. Um, so I, I think you kind of have to throw that game out. Last time these two teams played each other, Buffalo was able to kind of utilize, both teams were able to utilize their full offense. And uh, Buffalo came away with the win with basically the AFC East on the line. My thinking with this is you you can't beat Bill Belichick twice the same way. Uh, he is going to take away what you do best and force you to do something you're not either not good at or not comfortable with. And with that, Josh Allen is the entire offense for this Bills team. Josh Allen drops back in the pocket and turns into Uncle Rico from uh, from Napoleon Dynamite. Hey, you guys want to see me throw this football over the mountains? And that that can work, but the the forecast for that game is it's either freezing uh, zero degrees or below zero with up to thirteen mile an hour winds, gusts up to twenty five. You know, I just don't see the. I don't see the Bills being able to be successful uh, throwing the ball a bunch when those are the weather conditions. So the focus then switches to the ground game. Zach Moss and um, the other running back there in Buffalo, not a whole lot of success when you look at, when you conversely look at what uh, the, the Patriots have and Ramondre Stevenson, Damian Harris, a lot of success. A lot of success, a lot of just sticking with the ground game, committing to that ground game. Seems like Buffalo kind of gets antsy and they want to throw the ball. So um, I, I really do think this one comes down to coaching, and I do think that Bill Belichick is able to out-coach um, the Buffalo coach whose name is escaping me at the moment. So that's our first difference. Uh, I've got New England. Mitchell has Buffalo. On to the last um, AFC matchup of the weekend. We've got Kansas City-Pittsburgh. Don't think we need to explain that one too much. Kansas City comes in as an 11.5 point favorite. Every AFC game is almost double digits, which is interesting. Uh, these lines just updated on me. Of course they did. But uh, Kansas City, I think, is able to just gonna kind of roll through Pittsburgh. And it's not really going to be, might be closer than I think, but I don't think it'll be too close. Looking at like a 10 to 14 point game um, in, in my book, probably like a 34, 34-20, 34-24, something like that. Um, I think Kansas City is able to just just do what they do and outscore Pittsburgh. Going to switch over to the NFC side now. Um, Monday night game is the LA Rams, Arizona Cardinals, Arizona team that has really fallen off lately. Uh, at one point they were eight and one, nine and one, uh, best record, number one seed in the NFL. And they actually just get into this game as an, as a wild card team, the NFC best NFC West has three teams, um, three teams coming out of it this year and all of them are playing this weekend. So I don't know what that says about the NFC West. Maybe it's a good, you know, best conference, so they spend their entire time beating up on each other. But uh, 
Mitchell and I both have the LA Rams beating the Arizona Cardinals. Again, the Cardinals just not playing their best football right now. You talk about wanting to be able to uh, peak at the right time. You want to be able to uh, play your best football coming into November and December. And this is just not what the Cardinals have been doing. Not to say that Matt Stafford has been absolutely perfect or anything like that, but um, yeah, just Arizona's without DeAndre, without DeAndre Hopkins, who isn't playing this weekend, is somebody who is a team that just doesn't really seem to have an offensive identity. the uh, The offensive identity of this Arizona team is uh, Kyler Murray go make plays, and you know that's just a it's a hard recipe for success in the playoffs. So. Look for the Rams to win. Uh, again, that game is in SoFi as well. Would expect that to be a pretty pretty even uh, switch between the two. Arizona not being so far away from Los Angeles. A lot of Arizona fans making that trek up there. Continuing down the bracket, we've got uh, Dallas and San Francisco. Uh, Mitchell and I both like Dallas in this game. Um, we think that that defense is going to be a, a trouble and going to be uh, something that Mike Shanahan and that 49ers offense is just not going to be able to handle, not be able to do anything about. I'm talking about a pass rush that is right up there with the best in the entire NFL with uh, Micah Parsons, Robert Ndiche, and uh, Demarcus Lawrence. So I would really look for this. Um, Dallas team to to really get after Jimmy Garoppolo, a person who hasn't proven to be the most fleet of foot, most athletic in the pocket, making plays. San Francisco maybe make a if if the first half is as bad as it potentially could be, San Francisco maybe makes a coaching change at half, or excuse me, a quarterback change at half, gets Trey Lance, gets somebody with a little more athleticism in there you know, could change the game around. But as it stands right now, as we are predicting these games, uh, we both have Dallas um, over the San Francisco 49ers. Last game of the NFC side is going to be Tampa Bay and Philly. Tampa Bay, interestingly enough, is near the bottom in rush defense. And what does Philadelphia love to do and do really well? They like to run the ball, and they're really good at running the ball. And, you know, Nick Sirianni is going to have some flowers in the field, and he's going to put some roots down. And, you know, they're they're starting to see the fruits of, of everything. So don't think it matters. Tom Brady, Mike Evans, um, that's secondary. I think they're going to be able to control the the Philadelphia offense, even if it means – Playing single high safety, I don't, me personally, I don't see Jalen Hurts as an NFL quarterback, more of a gimmick and a gadget guy. If you could have Jalen Hurts as your Taysom Hill, maybe use him a little bit more as a Taysom Hill-esque person and player, um, I think he'd be a lot more successful. But as it stands right now, I just don't think that there is a lot of success or a lot of opportunities for Philadelphia. So Mitchell and I both have Tampa Bay winning that game as well. I'm going to go back to the AFC side. So we'll uh, run through both matchups on the AFC side, and then we'll come back to the NFC side for the divisional weekend. Uh, NFL does reseed the playoffs. So Tennessee with that first week bye, uh, they're going to play the lowest seed available. 
So for me, the lowest seed available is New England. So I've got a Tennessee-New England matchup, and then Mitchell has a Tennessee-Cincinnati matchup. Tennessee-New England is be an interesting game. Um, Bill Belichick coaching against Mike Vrabel. Mike Vrabel um, played in New England a long, long time. Did everything. Played offense, defense, special team. Was that ultimate athlete for Bill Belichick. Was instrumental in winning some of those first and early Super Bowls of Tom Brady's career and in New England. Where I think that this game would be... Where I think this game is going to take a, take a different look is... Derrick Henry's coming back. Derrick Henry, who is, in in my book, in my estimation, he's not human. I don't understand how a human being can be six foot four, two hundred and fifty five pounds, and run as fast as he does. At one point this season, Thursday night game, this man was running twenty one miles an hour. This man was speeding in a school zone. How do you stop that? What do you do? How do you, what do you do about that? And, and even if this game, this game's going to be in Tennessee, so you don't got the cold weather to contend with, but you, we have seen, we have a, a history of Derrick Henry and Mike Vrabel and the way this Tennessee team plays, they are just going to wear you out. They're going to wear your defense out. They are going to, by the fourth quarter, you're not going to want to get hit anymore by the the athletes that this team has. You're not going to want to get hit by AJ Brown. You're not going to want to get hit by Derrick Henry. You're just going to be sore and sick of being continually battered and beaten. So, uh I got Tennessee beating New England. I got, you know, I just don't think that Tennessee or excuse me, I don't think that New England has an answer. Uh Mike Vrabel is very much just that aggressive coach that is, you know, they're going to line up, they're going to punch you in the mouth, and then they're just going to keep doing it over and over and over again. And I just, it's such a, it's NF, the NFL is already a long season. Your body takes, already takes such a beating. And I just don't think that there are going to be very many teams that are able to contend with or stop that uh, this postseason for Tennessee. A little bit of foreshadowing for who I've got in the Super Bowl. Going on to Mitchell's bracket, Tennessee at, uh, excuse me, Cincinnati at Tennessee. Uh, Mitchell's got Tennessee winning for a lot of the same reasons. I think he was talking about the game being very close. Uh, Cincinnati can score quickly. They do have, they're setting NFL records for most play, most yards by players under the age of 25. It's a Cincinnati team that is going to have their time. This is a Cincinnati team that is, without question, going to be successful. Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Joe Burrow, they're all dud players. They're all great players. I just don't see them being successful against such a physical Tennessee team. And Mitch had the same, had the same idea. So he's got Tennessee winning as well. We'll stay on Mitchell's bracket because he's going to have Kansas City-Buffalo in a very interesting matchup of teams that did play this season. Uh, I believe Buffalo came away victorious, and that was uh, earlier in the season. So, you know, Kansas City, when you look at the way their season went, it was really kind of split in two. They started the season struggling. I think at one point they were 
two and three, two and four, maybe two and five, uh, they were really having a hard time playing defense and stopping any sort of, you know, offensive rhythm or anything like that. About midseason, it kind of turned around. They were able to be a little bit more successful. Um, but I think Buffalo caught them while they were in that slump. So Buffalo uh, was victorious over Kansas City earlier in this year. Um, Mitchell has Kansas City over the Buffalo Bills, that game being in Kansas City. You know, there's just there's a lot to like about that matchup. I think if that is the matchup, it's going to be good ratings for the NFL. Everyone's going to be interested in it. Um, Pat Mahomes versus Josh Allen, two of the highest paid quarterbacks in the NFL. There's going to be a lot going on there that would be that would be good for the NFL. So uh, Mitchell has Kansas City over Buffalo. My uh, second half AFC matchup to get to the AFC championship game. Kansas City and Cincinnati, a matchup that just happened. Cincinnati just beat this Kansas City team. You know, I got I got Cincinnati winning. I think that for a lot of the same reasons that uh, Mitch had Kansas City winning over the over Vegas, there's a lot to like about this Cincinnati team. Most yards by players under 25. There is so many good things that are going to be coming the way of Cincinnati. And as soon as they're able to add either an, another offensive lineman, another defensive playmaker, this is a team that is going to very quickly be Super Bowl or bust. I would I would say next year is going to be the Cincinnati team's window where that's going to be absolutely wide open. Um, I think the familiarity of having just played the Chiefs and having just beat the Chiefs is going to play in Cincinnati's favor. So I've got Cincinnati over Kansas City to get to the AFC Championship game. Moving on to the NFC side, Mitchell and I both have the same matchups for the NFC. Uh, Green Bay, or excuse me, the Los Angeles Rams traveling to Green Bay and Dallas going to Tampa. So an argument could be made either way for both uh, Green Bay and the Rams. Mitchell and I spent a good deal of time yesterday when we forgot to press record talking about Lambeau Field and this idea that is just antiquated and outdated. The idea that there's the mystique of Lambeau Field is something that is because of because of what i feel like is people and players being out of touch with history i don't find it being a big deal anymore i don't think people go to lambo and are instantly petrified by the names on the on in the rafters people aren't scared of the fact that it's cold outside people aren't worried about the frozen tundra and bart star and brett Favre and vince lombardi so that whole mystique and the whole idea of Lambo, I think, is one that is just, it's, it's outdated. It's not something that intimidates people anymore. Um, teams have gotten to a point where, regardless of where we're playing, this is a business trip. We're going to look at this as a business trip. We're going here to conduct business. For those reasons, and because of the offensive weapons that the Rams have. Uh, Mitchell has the Rams upsetting Green Bay. Um, 
thinks that uh, Cooper Cup, Van Jefferson, and uh, Odell are able to just just walk over this Green Bay defense. Uh, he also doesn't see anybody stepping up as Jalen Ramsey will most likely be shadow coverage, will be in shadow coverage on Devontae Adams. Um, he made a good point talking about who else is going to be the primary receiver. Green Bay has some good weapons, but when you take away Devontae Adams and you are able to take away Devontae Adams with the best cover corner in the NFL, you know, who else you got? Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Alan Lazard, good pieces, not good enough to be a center point. So Mitchell has the Rams upsetting the Green Bay Packers. I am going to make an argument the other way and think that uh, the Green Bay Packers come away victorious over the Rams, putting them in the NFC Championship game. Uh, my reasoning and my logic goes something like this. And I don't even think it's necessarily Green Bay's game to win. I think that uh, Matt Stafford is 0-3 in the playoffs. If he's able to beat Arizona, this will be his first playoff win. I think that he is going to be on an emotional high after a game like that. Um, he's just going to be stoked to have finally been able to change the narrative of you know, not being a winning, not being a winning quarterback, um, he'll be able to shake all of those, uh, all of the the it's Detroit's fault narrative that that surrounds him, that he has that that people attribute to him, whether he says it or not, it's it's something that he lives with. I I think that is going to be such an emotional game if he is able to beat Arizona in the playoffs that um, it'll be hard to come back and match that, and. More than that as well, Green, uh, this is a Rams team that hasn't had success recently. Um, they, When you look at Matt Stafford's play in the last four games, he has like seven interceptions, I think only you know four or five touchdowns. So somebody who hasn't even been taking care of the ball recently, and that is going to be a huge detriment to any team that's trying to win playoff football. So give me the give me Green Bay. Um, Probably a really low-scoring, really competitive game, 24-21, 17-14, something like that. Um, but a, a really good game. So I've got Green Bay in the uh, NFC Championship game. Other side of the bracket, uh, we both have Tampa Bay and Dallas, and we both have Dallas over Tampa Bay. Uh, this is a Tampa Bay team that is, I believe, last in the NFL in, uh, against the Rush. This is a Dallas team that just paid Ezekiel Elliott $100 million. They also have Tony Pollard as an incredible change of pace back. So I would expect Dallas to, if, if each of their running backs come away with 12 to 15 touches, I, I think they win the game handily. Um, even, even if they don't, you know, that, that Dallas offense, Michael Gallup, C.D. Lamb, Dalton Schultz, Amari Cooper. Like, there's no shortage of weapons and ways to score for the Dallas team. We talked yesterday. Just this is a Dallas team that 
they're good is as good as anybody's in the NFL. The problem is they're bad is equally as bad as anybody in the NFL. And you also have to be honest with yourself and whether or not you think that Dallas can play three games of mistake-free football. Three games where Mike McCarthy manages the clock well. Three games where they don't have a devastating turnover in their own red zone. You know, something like that. Just one of those, you know, soul-crushing plays that is that is defeating on a sideline, not a, on a football team. We both have Dallas winning and Dallas going to the NFC Championship game. So they haven't, they have avoided those mistakes for now. So as it sits right now, Tennessee, Kansas City for Mitchell in the AFC side. And I have Tennessee, Cincinnati for, uh, on the A, excuse me, Tennessee, Kansas City on the AFC side for Mitchell. I have Tennessee, Cincinnati on the AFC side. NFC side, LA Rams and Dallas for Mitch. And I have Green Bay and Dallas. I'm going to just run through uh, one bracket at a time the rest of the way through. So we'll start with Mitch, who has Kansas City and Tennessee on the AFC. Uh, pretty pre- pretty predictable one versus two matchup here for Mitchell. He's got uh, Tennessee coming away victorious um, for a lot of the same reasons that we've already talked about. Just are you able to do anything with Derrick Henry? How do you stop? Do you commit to stopping Derrick Henry? Do you commit to stopping Ryan Tannehill, who is for what he is asked to do as good as anybody. He's not asked to win a game. I mean, he, he is if he needs to, but, you know, for the most part, it is a matter of convert first downs, run the clock, let's let's just get to where we need to go, and eventually, you know, we'll come away with this win. So Mitch has Tennessee over Kansas City on the AFC side, Tennessee representing the Super Bowl, and then the LA Rams and Dallas uh, on the NFC side. This is the part where Mitch and I both kind of agreed that Dallas would make that soul-crushing, just that gaffe, that idea, that that play that is that you can't recover from. Um, and then L.A. being as close as they are to having a home Super Bowl, you know, is, is an, an added motivation. So uh, Mitch has the Rams winning, thinks that that offensive line is able to hold up against that Dallas pass rush. Um, Aaron Donald able to bottle up. Aaron Donald, Von Miller able to bottle up uh, Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott. Jalen Ramsey would do a good job taking away one of the three um, receiving tight ends or receivers that um, Dallas has. And then, you know, they have a, they have a, they have a good linebacking core to cover Dalton Schultz. So uh, Mitch has the Rams playing in what would be the equivalent to back to like we would have back to back home Super Bowl representatives. Uh, 
with the Super Bowl being in SoFi this year. Mitch's Super Bowl is Tennessee and L.A. And whether you whether you want to believe in conspiracy theories or not, this is what the NFL would want. Um, if you're unfamiliar, Stan Kroenke had to Stan Kroenke, the owner of the L.A. Rams, had to pay seven hundred and fifty million dollars to the city of St. Louis. Because the city of St. Louis felt like they had the city of St. Louis and their sports owners group felt like they had a deal in place to get the Rams a new stadium that would have kept them in St. Louis for the foreseeable future. Stan Kroenke, middle of the night, said, no, see you later. And he takes the team to L.A. where he can make billions of dollars. And, you know, this is a team and a situation that Stan Kroenke has been preparing for. He told his general manager, he told Sean McVay, I want the home Super Bowl. You want to build a fan base in a new city? Have your team in the Super Bowl. The only thing that could have made it better is if we had two LA teams in the Super Bowl. So that would be, that's that's definitely one of the storylines going into it. If the Rams are able to make the Super Bowl, having that home Super Bowl in a situation where like there was so much uh, um, just tumult, there was a tumultuous offseason regarding the Rams and the way that Stan Kroenke left the city of St. Louis. Um, as it sits right now, Mitch has the Rams winning the Super Bowl for a lot of those offensive reasons and just having a city behind you playing a home Super Bowl. I don't think the, that that can be understated and it's not even so much the stadium. Um, so much of a Super Bowl, the, the tickets and everything. It's not that they're not available to the general public, but the, the process of getting them is so obnoxious that the general public is, is borderline excluded from it. Um, it kind of turns into a, a, a who's who event. But it's it's the city as a whole. The whole buildup going up to the two weeks into that game, it would the entire narrative, the entire nation would be talking about, you know, the city of LA, the 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 bars, the restaurants, everybody, the the culture, the everything that would go into, you know, playing that game, having that game having a home team like that in a brand new $7 billion stadium. There's so much going for LA. If they're able to um, come away with that, come away with a Super Bowl berth. And I think you'd probably just ride that momentum, um, you know, to a win and, and hopefully erase all of those fears of the 2018 game against the Patriots. And Jared Goof. So uh, Mitch's Super Bowl matchup, Tennessee and LA, uh, with the Rams winning. My Super Bowl matchup, uh, AFC side is uh the AFC game, Tennessee, Cincinnati. A- and we've already talked about it, right? So Cincinnati will have their time. There's no question about it. This is a Cincinnati team that is young. They are they are hungry. They are going to be good. Jamar Chase is an absolute dud. And he is somebody who is going 
he is he very well could with the way that the NFL is rewriting rules and everything. He could rewrite the record book for receivers. That's not outlandish to think. Um, I think he already set the rookie record for receiving yards. He had like fourteen hundred yards. So it's 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 really incredible the way he was able to start his career. Him and Joe Burrow have incredible rapport. Uh, Cincinnati's the owner, the owner, the general manager. Everybody's focus should be on keeping that team together long term. I just don't think that they have an answer defensively for the Tennessee Titans. Again, Derrick Henry is just, he's not human. This is a man who was running 21 miles an hour on a football field. This is a man who was speeding in a school zone. How do you contend with that? How do you, and even if you commit to it and you put eight people in the box and nine people in the box, I'll throw, I will throw slants to AJ Brown behind you. Defensively, how are you going to handle getting, getting just mutilated? This is a this is a Tennessee team that is physical. Kevin Bayard, um, for those of you who don't know, go look him up. He is an absolute stud of a safety for Tennessee and gets no love and no respect. This is a Tennessee team that is physical. They have taken on the persona of their coach, and all they want to do is beat you up. They want to get in a street fight. They want to get you angry. They want to be in a position to physically impose their will on you. And for those reasons, I've got Tennessee going to the Super Bowl. On the NFC side, in for me as a Vikings fan, it would be the most disgusting disgusting game ever. Uh Green Bay Dallas on the NFC Championship side. Mitchell and I talked a lot of yesterday about, um, as well, conspiracy theories. We didn't talk a lot about it, but we definitely at least came up. You know, what would be better for the NFL? Green Bay, who has the smallest market in all of sports, which is a conversation and a topic we will talk about in the offseason. Green Bay, who has the smallest market in all of sports, getting to the Super Bowl. Or Dallas, America's team, getting to the Super Bowl. I have seen this Green Bay team. I have seen Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs almost every year um, since I have been closely following the fo- closely following the NFL. I have seen him make the Super Bowl one time, 2010. This is. This is, to me, a Green Bay team and a, a team that consistently just just chokes at somewhere along the way to the playoffs, whether it's to San Francisco, whether it's to uh, the Giants, doesn't matter. Somewhere along the line, this is a Green Bay team that just implodes. This is one way, one how. Uh, last offseason, Last year, there was a miscommunication on third down on the goal line. They kicked a field goal, and they were down by by five. I just like what what are we doing? Um, led to the the weird off season for the Packers. But I just I have no faith in Green Bay in the playoffs. I know they're the popular pick. They're 
the the number one seed and everything like that. I me personally, I've seen this. I've seen this book before. I've seen this movie before. I've seen Green Bay be the favorite, the prohibitive favorite going into the Super Bowl, only to find a way to lose. So for those reasons, uh, I've got Dallas on the upset um, going into Lambeau, coming away with the win. I don't know that Green Bay has the defensive tools to cover everybody for for this Dallas team. I think the receivers are able to uh, make enough plays. Dalton Schultz, even if you cover the receivers, Dalton Schultz is you know that slippery, speedy tight end that they have, and he's able to you know maybe be the playmaker that he they, they'll need him to be to come away with a win. So my Super Bowl sets up as Tennessee and Dallas in a game that if you're not a Cowboys fan, you would absolutely be cheering for Dallas because we all have met Cowboys fans. They are obnoxious. They always love to just bring up the 90s and it's all oh, three Super Bowls in four years or something like that or back to back in the 90s and it's like what but what have you done lately and and it's like yeah but the 90s okay but what have you done lately do you remember the 90s and it's those the, the way Dallas fans are they're just they're obnoxious and I'm not I'm not trying to say I'm not obnoxious but that's not the point that's not what we're talking about right now I said to start the show that Dallas has consistently and forever found ways to just lose a game. It would be the most Cowboys thing ever to go to the Super Bowl. You finally do it. You finally reached the point where you're at the Super Bowl. You get there. You go up 21-0, 21-3. 14 to 7, something like that. You get a, a a decent lead. And then the second half hits. And then the fourth quarter hits. And all of a sudden, what was a 21 to 7 lead turns into 21 10, 21 17. And you've got Derrick Henry, Mike Vrabel, AJ Brown, Ryan Tannehill, Kevin Baird, uh, Jeffrey Simmons, everybody just knocking at the doorstep. And in that goal line situation to win the game, because that's that's what this game, I believe, would come down to, I don't see anybody being able to stop Tennessee and Derrick Henry specifically. I think that they would find a way and be able to impose their will, and the Dallas Cowboys would find a way to implode on themselves. For those reasons, I have Tennessee winning the Super Bowl and erasing all of those early memories of the 2000 season with draw Dyson stretching for the goal line and coming up at the half yard line and um just just being able to, to being able to go into the offseason as a Super Bowl champion um that's how each of us have the bracket shaking out uh, we're going to keep these. We're going to obviously have some bragging rights on the line and everything like that. So um, it's going to be a great time to be a football fan. 
it's great for uh, the playoffs to be here and everything like that. I appreciate you for any time that you were able to spend with me. Um, next time we will have both of us, we'll have more of a back and forth and it won't turn into such a monologue. But uh, as we always do here, we're going to end the show with a joke, even though Mitchell isn't here to laugh at it. Um, what is a dog's favorite part of the house? The roof. Thank you so much for listening. Have yourself a wonderful day and uh, stay beautiful. 